Uh, so good morning, Trinity Bible Fellowship family. Um, uh, as Pastor Steve mentioned, uh, we're doing a Christmas uh, message series. Uh, the elders and the youth pastor have volunteered to come up here and give a little message in the weeks leading up to Christmas. I titled my message, Why Did Jesus Have to Come as a Baby? Uh, before we get into the message, I was asked to uh, just remind you guys that they are putting together some envelopes for um, Christmas gifts for the pastors. They will be in your mailboxes. We're going to take those, put them all together, divide them equally amongst the pastors. So uh, just keep an eye out in your mailbox for those. Uh, next slide, please. So I'm an army guy. Slides work well for me. That way I can walk around a little bit. I'm not tied to a podium. But I do have some resources we're going to tie to. We're going we're gonna to be up here. Um, Again, I titled this message, Why Did Jesus Have to Come as a Baby? We're going to get into that, but I think we're going to get into a little bit more before we get into why did he come as a baby. Um, sources I used to put this message together, first and foremost, I used the Bible. Right? I prayed about it, and then I looked at my Bible. I looked at a few different translations. You'll hear words from different translations of the Bible through the message today. I turned to one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, and... Probably my favorite book in the whole world, other than the Bible, Mere Christianity. Because C.S. Lewis, uh, his work on apologetics is just, has been phenomenal. It's, it's withstood the test of time. Um, but his work in Mere Christianity lays forth a very logical argument as to why we should believe in Christ. Um, so we're going to read some excerpts of that. If you didn't bring your copy, don't worry, I have mine. We'll, we'll just read from mine for today. Um, of course, I turned to the, like, one of the biggest resources we have in the world for biblical knowledge, Pastor Google. He gave me a little bit of information. I would warn you, if you're going to go to Pastor Google, just use a discerning mind as you're looking through the information you get so that you're not just going willy-nilly and off, off the rails. There are some baby pictures included in this sermon. Some of them were taken from the Internet. Some of them were added to the Internet so I could take them back off. Um, and a couple of them maybe of my kids. If you guess which ones are my kids, you win a prize. Pastor John, will you show them what the prizes are? So beware of bombarding candy throughout the sermon. Just, just be careful. Okay? If you guess which ones are my kids, you win. My kids said they're going to be embarrassed, so they didn't want to hand out the candy. Just throwing that out there. All right. Next slide. Now, are you guys ready to move forward? Next slide, please, Mr. Dion. All right. Learning objectives for today's lesson. Why did Jesus have to come here at all? Like, like I said, we're going to go into a little bit more than why did he come as a baby. Why did he have to come at all? Why did he have come as a baby? What does his willingness to come mean to us? What should we do about it? And then we're going to wrap it up and say, why did it, why, what does this have to do with Christmas? All right, next slide, please. You guys ready to go? So that is not a baby picture of Dion, in case you were wondering. All right. So, first of all, we're going to get into why did Jesus have to come here at all? First and foremost, like, the first thing we have to think about is Jesus came to the world for us to save us from our sins, from our transgressions, right? He volunteered to do that. Now, why did he have to do it? Because we needed to repent. And what does repentance mean? The Bible defines repentance as sincere or severe um, Regret or remorse. Now, in the, in the dictionary definition, do you see anything about God in that definition? Do you see anything about Jesus in that definition? 
but it does give us somewhat of an adequate explanation. But repentance is really a term that we use as Christians way more than I think people outside of Christianity use. And that means that we need to put God into it. And the biblical definition of repentance is responding to God's love by being transformed in your convictions. Using the love of Christ and the love of God and his willingness to come down and pay for our sins as a guiding force in our lives to turn our backs from sin. Now, couldn't God have just stayed up on his throne up in heaven and forgiven us? It's possible. God can do anything, right? But does that pay the debt? Does that pay the debt that our sins have inquired or have, have, have created by Adam's original sin? I don't think so. So for God to pay that debt in and of himself, he has to do something that he can't do. He has to surrender his will and say that, you know what, guys? You're good enough. You're good enough just the way you are. I don't have to pay that price for your sin. Your sins are forgiven. You don't have to worry about it anymore. But, pri but the price doesn't have to be paid. It's okay. We'll just let it go. Now, what's that? The price still has to be paid, right? So, first things first, I think the thing we have to look at for sin is going to the, going to the Bible, right? If we're looking at why did Jesus have to come at all, if God can't just forgive us and take away our free will and say your sins are forgiven, you're never going to sin again, you're just going to do it my way, and then we don't have to turn to him, we don't have to look for him, we're just there. Um, then we have to realize that we're sinners. And for us to look at that and see that, go turn to the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 23. I think most people know this one by heart, right? What does it say? That's right. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Does that include you? Does that include me? So none of us are qualified to just repent of our sins by ourselves and restore that relationship with God. Someone had to pay that price. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verses 4 and 5, the Bible says, Yet he himself bore our sickness, and he carried our pains, but we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. Now, what does that say? What does that mean? We can't pay the price. God said that Christ was going to come to the earth and pay, those pri pay the price for our sins. So when I say first things first, what do I mean? I mean God said it, and he made it happen. Right? First things first. If it says it in the Bible and that's what's going to happen, that's what God means, and that's, what's going to happen. that's what, why Jesus had to come to the earth to pay that price. Now, we could leave it there, but I think there's more to the argument. So, Dion, next slide, please. Oh, by the way, I'm telling you, this is probably the cutest sermon you're going to see all year. So... <laughs> Any guesses? Is that one of my kids? No. no. <laughs> all right. So here again, so why did Jesus have to come to the earth at all? Um, let's look to the book of Leviticus, uh, chapter 9, verses 2 and 3. 
give you a couple seconds to turn to that. Because what we'll see here is what was required for an adequate sacrifice for our sins. So in the book of Leviticus, Moses is talking to Aaron here, and he says to Aaron, take a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, both without blemish, and present them before the Lord. And tell the Israelites, take a male goat for a sin offering and a calf and a lamb, both yearlings without blemish, for a burnt offering. So one of the key words in that is that it has to be without blemish. Are we without blemish? Can we be without blemish? Right? So we cannot qualify to make that sacrifice in and of ourselves. Because we can't be perfect. We can't be without blemish. We can't qualify to be that sin offering or burnt offering that God requires to restore our relationship with him. Now, C.S. Lewis, in Mere Christianity, the, the section called The Perfect Penitent, um, he's talking about, he, he relates our sin to having a debt. Not a punishment that's deserved, but a debt, a money debt. You took out a loan, but you don't have the money to repay that loan. And you don't have a way to earn that money to repay that loan. And it's not uncommon for someone kind, a friend, a relative, some random stranger who's got the resources to step in and pay that debt for you. And in this case, what he's talking about is he's talking about Christ, who is the only one who could literally have the funds, have the resources to pay that debt for us. So I'm going to read a little excerpt from uh, that, that area. So when he's talking about repenting from sin, he says, if you ask God to take you back without repenting, you are really asking for him to let you go without going back. It can't happen. But the same badness that makes us need to go back prevents us or makes us unable to go back. Later on in that same, that same chapter, he says, now if we had not fallen, it would all be plain sailing, right? If we didn't have original sin, if we didn't sin at all, we wouldn't have to restore the relationship. It wouldn't be broken. But unfortunately, we now need God's help in order to do something which only God can do. But God in his own nature can't do it because God cannot surrender, submit, suffer, and die. He's God. So the one road for which we now need God's leadership most of all is a road that God in his own nature has never walked. Now, supposing God became a man, and our human nature, which can suffer and die, was amalgamated with God's nature in one person, then that person could help us. He could surrender his will and suffer and die because he was man. But he could do it perfectly because he was God. And you and I can only go through this process if we have God, if God does it in us. But God can only do it if he becomes man. So that is one of his arguments why Jesus even had to come at all. 
None of us here are qualified to pay that price, to pay, be that perfect sacrifice. Only Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb, the spotless lamb, was qualified to pay that price. But Jesus, being fully man, fully God, can't just die. For him to die, he has to become man. God doesn't die. Next slide, please. <laughs> Told you this is the cutest sermon you're ever going to see. Any guesses? Is this one of my kids? Oh, uh, yes, what you got? Faith. Faith, no, that's Caitlin. It was close, though. It was close. It's close. All right, next slide. Here we go. So, so now let's get into why Jesus had to come as a baby. All right, so uh, one of the authors on Christianity.com sent out a, a questionnaire, asked a bunch of kids why, why they thought Jesus had to come as a baby. And this little girl, Casey, nine years old, said a baby is a sign of love. That's cute. But do you think it's the, the true answer, the full answer, as why Jesus had to come as a baby? Babies are, are signs of love. I think it sounds good. What about Buck? God sent our Savior as a baby because when babies are born, everyone thinks they're special. <laughs> Who? Who has ever looked at a baby and said, you know, that, one, that one's not going to be good? Right? Babies are special. They're wonderful creatures. They are true blessings to this world. Uh, God sent our Savior as a baby because he wanted to show us that God is our mighty God, that even a baby could lead us to the right path. That seems like a fairly logical argument. Now, what I will tell you is, this is what I went through in creating this message is really just me looking at information, trying to sort out ways or reasons we can believe that Jesus came as a baby, okay? I'm not telling you that this is the only answer, the only conclusions you can come to. These are some. Please take this information, look at it yourself, put it together, make this, make this, make this argument yours in your mind as well, okay? Now, now, what do you think? Why do you think Jesus came as a baby? Paul, what you got? Why do you think Jesus came as a baby? Because he loved us. Good answer. That's a good one. Pastor John? Um, actually, as, as I was reading and listening to what you're saying, I think, I think he came as a baby because babies are signs of promise. Signs of promise? That's a good one. Becca? He needed to have full experience. He needed to have full experience of what our life is like. Yeah, Colton. He wanted to teach people. I think those are all really good answers. Okay, what about babies are cute and cuddly? So are puppies. Could Jesus have come as a puppy? Miss Lori, you got one? <laughs> All right, Sandy. Prophecy, I think that's a good one. Miss Lori? He couldn't just appear. I, I think that sounds, I, and these are all logical arguments that have been put forth. All right. Um, babies are scary. They're the rulers of the house, right? They're intimidating. Babies screaming at 2 o'clock in the morning. Someone's getting up to feed that baby. Someone's getting up to change that baby's diaper, right? Everything is centered around that baby, at least for a little while. Um, next slide, please. Told you. Cutest sermon. <laughs> that was my wife saying it's not one of our kids. 
All right. So rather than just turn to, to Pastor Google and some other people's stories, let's get into the Bible and see why, why God said that ba- Jesus had to come as a baby. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. So again, when I say first things first, what I mean is God said that's the way it was going to be, and that's the way it happened. So lots of prophecy led up to Jesus Christ being born as a baby. Now, there are some other arguments that people have uh, laid forth. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. I'll give you guys a couple seconds to turn. I know we're doing sword drills. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So again, for Jesus Christ to come as a baby, he, or to come to this world and be that sacrifice, he had to be born under the law. So what are some things that had to happen for Jesus to be uh, qualified in the Jewish tradition under the law? He had to be circumcised at eight days old. How do you get to day eight? If you're not born, maybe, maybe he came as a seven-day-old. In the next day, I'm like, right? Yeah, Paul. He had to perfectly. Absolutely, which means he had to be born. He had to be circumcised on the eighth day. Now, as Lori said, he couldn't just appear, right? According to Jewish law, to become a high priest or to be, do priestly duties within the church, you had to be at least, the year of, uh, at least 30 years old up to the year 50, 30 to 50 is what was qualified to be um, in the church according to um, Numbers chapter 4, verse 3. So how do you get to be 30 years old if you don't have a birthday? Right? He could look like a 30-year-old, but he wouldn't be 30. He would just be someone who looked like a 30-year-old. So... Um, and I think that's, that's one thing that, that impressed upon me as I was going through this research is when I was in Bosnia back in 97, 98, um, Annie was talking about how Operation Christmas Child sent out a bunch of packages to Bosnia uh, early on in their mission, right? 1993, I think, is what she said. So when I was in Bosnia, we had a bunch of people send us Christmas gifts to our hospital. We wrapped up Christmas gifts. We... Uh, made stockings, and we took them to a local orphanage. There was a child in that orphanage who looked like a teenager, but his entire family had died in the war. He doesn't know how old he is because they all died before he can remember birthdays. So here is this young gentleman who has no idea how old he is, who will never know how old he is. How much importance do we put on age? When do you get to vote? When do you get to drink alcohol? When do you get lower insurance rates? Right? (laughs) 
So age may just be a number to us, but age is important. And so if Jesus Christ wasn't born as a baby, how could you ever document how old he was? He would just appear. He would be whatever age he looked like he was. But there would be no way to prove it. There would be no way to fulfill that law and fulfill his, his ability to be in the church at that time. Uh, next slide, please. I told you every, every it's cutest slideshow. Any guesses? <laughs> there we go. There it is. John's on. <laughs> All right. So here's some other arguments as to why Jesus had to be, to be born. Okay? Um, one thing is being born, being born as a child and being raised as a child magnifies Jesus' humility. Right? If Jesus came as a 30-year-old man and just started his ministry, it's, it's a little distracting from his being raised. It's a little distracting from his ability to just be a humble child raised in this world. Right? One of the things that we see in this is when uh, Jesus was in the temple, like his family had traveled to Jerusalem, he was talking in the temple, his family left without him. Right? Remember that? They left without Jesus, and they couldn't find him, and they got scared, and they went back and got him. And so let's turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 51. And we're talking about Jesus. It says, in favor with God and with people, then he went down with them, meaning his parents, and he came to Nazareth, and he was obedient to them, his earthly parents. And he kept his mother, and his mother kept all these things in her heart. So Jesus humbled himself to be obedient to not just his godly father, but to his earthly parents. Now, you think being a teenager is hard today. Imagine being Jesus as a young adolescent. Knowing, I mean, like, could you imagine? He just goes into his parents one day, like, Mary, Joseph, thanks for raising me, thanks for keeping me safe these years. But I'm God's son. I got this from here. Right? How, how does that honor the Ten Commandments where it says, honor thy mother and thy father? It doesn't. He just, but he showed humility by even being obedient to his earthly parents, knowing that he was on a mission sent by his father, God, from heaven above. So it magnifies his humility and it shows the importance of family that God has, right? Because Jesus had to be obedient even to his family, to his, his earthly parents. In the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. The Bible says, Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of man, In, and... When he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by being obedient. Obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus grew up as a baby, knowing that his life was going to end with him being on a cross. And he still was humble enough to be obedient to that mission to God the Father and also to his earthly parents. Now, I think what it also shows is that Jesus growing up as a human and being fully man gives Jesus the ability to sympathize with us because he had the same earthly experiences that we do. 
He was subject to the same temptations. Yes, I realize times have changed a little bit. There's more technology in the world. But he still had the same temptations as a human being that we all fall subject to. Which gives him the ability to sympathize with us. But in, in turn, it should also give us the ability to sympathize with what he had to turn his back from each and every day to continue to be that perfect sacrifice. Uh, in the book of Hebrews, chapter uh, 4, verses 14 and 15. Uh, the Bible here says that, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to the confession... For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. So he was tempted just like us, but was able to live that life perfectly to qualify to be that perfect price. So these are just some of the arguments I found as to why Jesus had to come as a baby. But to me, I think it comes down to the basics. First things first, right? In Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us today a child is born. Uh, hold on. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And then we turn to the beginning of today's scripture reading, Luke 2.11. Today a Savior who is Messiah the Lord was born for you in the city of David. So God said it was going to be that way, and that's the way it happened. So to me, that's the biggest, most simple argument as to why Jesus had to come as a baby. I think the other ones support it. They're good, they're good arguments. But, Jesus, but God said it, and that's the way it was. Next slide, please. No. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. All right. So now we've gone through why did Jesus have to come at all, and why did he come as a baby? Now, what does Jesus' willingness to come to the earth and die for our sins mean to us? Number one, it means we can have faith that God will do what he said, right? My first argument for both these cases is God said it, and that's why it happened, right? God will always do what he says. But it also means we have a loving God, one who is willing to humble himself, to be that perfect, spotless lamb, that sacrifice that you and I could not, cannot, and will not ever be able to be. It means we don't have to live our lives in fear. It doesn't mean that because Jesus paid that price and he was the perfect sacrifice, that we get to just go on willy-nilly sinning throughout the world. It means that we don't have to be afraid when we make a mistake. Just like when I tell my kids, kids, you're going to make mistakes in life. Own up to it. Make, make better Next time, try not to make that same mistake again. God does not ask us to be perfect. He just wants us to try harder and be better and be closer to him each and every day. We should look to the example of Jesus and try to be better to and for those around us. Right? We don't try to be better for me. We don't try to be better for just ourselves. We try to be better so that our example, our light, shines out in the world and other people see Christ's light shining through us. So hopefully it inspires them to be better the next day too. Next slide, please. 
I figured like most of those pictures were girls. I had to throw at least one picture of a that was obviously a boy in here. This is totally, I think that's totally it. All right. So, so what do we do now? What do we do now with this information? I think the realization and acceptance of Jesus' humble sacrifice for us should inspire us to make change. Each and every one of us should make changes in our life after we accept that free gift from God, that free gift of Jesus Christ dying for our sins. We should keep in mind that Jesus paid for us a debt that we couldn't pay. No matter how much money we earned, we cannot buy our way back into heaven. The only way for us to get back there is to believe in Jesus Christ. And the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16, in the Hawaiian Pigeon Bible, it says, God got plenty of love and aloha for the people inside the world. That's why he sent me, Jesus, his one and only boy. Because of that, everybody that trusted me no going to get cut off from God forever. They're going to get the real kind of life and going to stay to the max forever. Right? So we think today what we do is we live with a little more humility. We look to that gift that Christ gave to us. We live today with a little more humility. We love, we lead, and we serve one another. Next slide. All right. I know, I know. Cutest sermon you're going to see all year. Right. So... How does this tie into Christmas? Well, first, I think this year we all try to focus a little more on Christ and his willingness to come to the earth and die for us as a little baby at this season, right? We, we focus less on the commercial ways of the world that the world wants us to see and, and think is the thing we should be thinking about at this time in the year. I think we accept his love, his life, and his sacrifice for us. And if you have not taken the time to do so, please make today or this Christmas season the time that you admit your sins. You turn your back on those sins and you ask Jesus Christ into your heart. If you don't know how to do it, ask someone, one of your elders, one of your pastors, your parents, someone you know that has a solid faith in Christ, and you ask them to help you work your way through this. Because what you need to do at this time of year and what you should do every year and every day is receive that free gift, the best Christmas present you could ever get, a little baby born ultimately to die to pay the price for your sins and restore your relationship with Christ, uh, with God. Next slide. <laughs> it is both of them. There we go. <laughs> All right, next slide, please. So thank you uh, for listening to me today. I'm glad I got to be the first one. I set the bar <laughs> down here so the other guys <laughs> can reach to it. Uh, let's close in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, I just thank you for allowing me to speak today. And I pray that the message uh, that I shared today is a message that speaks to our hearts and the message that at least someone out here needed to hear today. Lord, I pray as we go through the next weeks and months ahead that people just continue to turn their hearts and minds towards you and towards your love. I pray that people accept your free gift of salvation and restore that relationship with you. 
through our Heavenly Father, uh, through, our, for, through Jesus Christ, uh, our Lord and Savior. In your name we pray. Amen.